good to see you. How are you? I'm doing good today. Today's a great day. How are you? Yeah, I'm I'm well, thank you. I'm pleased to see you. And how many days out are we from from surgery? Yeah. Uh, uh it'll be a week tomorrow. <gasps> okay. And you're doing well. You're on the road to recovery. Yeah, I saw my doctor this morning and uh, he was more than pleased with uh, where I'm at. And I go back next Thursday and then that should be it. So, ah, amazing. Amazing. No, of course. Of course. I know that um, people have been sort of concerned for you. So, um, so yeah, but it's it's great to, it's great to see your face. Great to see you happy and smiling and looking well. Yeah, it was a huge surgery. So um, I appreciated everybody's concern, but um, some rough days, as you know, in the beginning, but like I said, today is the first day I feel great, so I'm hoping here on out it'll just be good. Good, good. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear it, um, and as I say, you yeah. are looking super well. Um, most important question, obviously, is did you make it home in time from the hospital to catch 6.11? Could I leave you? Not live. We, we tried so hard, um, but I ended up getting home at like 11 at night. And um, I watched it first thing next Friday morning. Yeah, I rewatched. I watched it and then rewatched it. But um, I was so bummed. I was like, "Drive faster!" But in the LA traffic. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. I've heard that that's a that that's a thing. Yeah. That it's that it's yeah the four hundred five is like like start stop right like yeah in the four hundred five there's like eight lanes at some point. So oh good god! And every yeah every lane is like packed. So. I try to avoid it like the plague, the 405, if I can. But there was no avoiding it on Thursday, and so we had to watch on Friday morning. Yeah, which I was shocked how bummed I was. <laughs> and then when I watched it Friday, I was, like, more bummed, because I, I know we feel differently about this, which yeah. is what makes the podcast exciting. Um, I did not really care for the episode. so they, I mean, there were parts I liked, but not as a whole. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you were coming from. I mean, as you know, we we did um, discuss it the other day, and and I actually did really enjoy it um, for what yeah. it was. So, I mean, I don't think there was much sort of substantive that happened. It felt very much like a vehicle to get everyone from where they are to where they need to be for the more substantive storylines. Um, but yeah. you know, it was it was action packed. I thought it was really well written, and that's not overly surprising really because the machine behind this episode um has a rich station pedigree so it was written by Rochelle Zimmerman and she's been involved um I had to look this up because I know I'm a nerd but I'm not this much of a nerd she's been involved since series four she was the story editor for the whole of series four and she wrote 409 no one is alone which is the one where um it's very um what did we say we called them Travick didn't we Travis and Vic oh it's, yeah 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 so it's very traffic heavy that one and it's the one where they sort of okay. hit a rough patch in their relationship and we learn about travis's mm. husband's death and then she wrote 415 oh. say say her name which was the mm. that was a great episode actually the um that was very vic heavy the meditation on what it yes. means to be a black woman in america or just black in america generally yes. really um interestingly little tidbit this i do know yeah. my own back no Karina in either of those episodes. Yeah, does, what does she have against Karina, man? <laughs> I don't know. Clearly something. Because I'm binge-watching it, right, binge it right now, and I'm like, I don't remember this many episodes where, like, Karina didn't even make a, an appearance at all. They, there you go. 409, 415, zero Karina, both written by Rochelle Zimmerman. Yeah. And uh, huh. she wrote Too Darn Hot in Series 5, the Heat Wave episode. Karina's in that one, I recall. Her little feet in the <laughs> bowl of ice. Five Eleven, the oh, little yeah, things yeah. we do together, where the guy sets himself on fire and Travis inadvertently mm. tells him that he doesn't love him. Uh-huh. She also mm. wrote Five Sixteen, Death in the Maiden. Mm. Yeah, the less yeah. said, there are things to say, but not today. Yes, um, and she also no, wrote. We'll yeah, well, yeah, yeah, and she also <laughs> wrote. 606 everybody says don't which we know is the mid-season finale and then michael Mm. medico directed this one he also directed too darn hot which rochelle zimmerman oh right 
Um, and he, so they worked he, together, yeah. Yeah, he did Out of Control, which is the one where the girls are kidnapped and held hostage uh, on Myers Street mm-hmm. when they're going to go to the party. Mm-hmm. Learning to Fly, which is the one with the cult people on the roof. And so he directed the really gorgeous scene where Maya gets Karina to scream by turning on the siren in the barn after yes. Andrew's death. Um, and he directed yes. the Halloween episode as well. So... We've oh, got, okay. Yeah, yeah, so definitely some... So there's some serious sort of pedigree going on with this episode with those two at the helm. But I think I'm sort of the dissenting voice in saying that this was a, a good episode because most people did not enjoy it. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's dig in. Let's talk about it. Well, I know you were excited to see, I think the last two weeks when we've done this podcast uh, and I've said, what are you looking forward to? You said seeing how Eli and Andy get on on their date. And we still do not have a resolution to this. <laughs> she is still keeping no. him lukewarm. Yep. And that there was just a couple of little nods to that in the episode. So she is in the equipment room with Vic. She's all a bit giddy and silly and tells Vic that she's kissed him. And then he's sending her sort of stream of consciousness text messages, which yeah. Vic answers on on uh, Andy's behalf. So yeah, that because yeah. she thinks Eli's funny and says that now Andy will think yeah. that she's funny too, which says a lot about yeah. Vic's opinion of uh, Andy's sense of humor or lack thereof. Right. Um, right. The episode ends with Eli sending Andy like a cheeky little limerick. So again, there wasn't really much there, but they're sort of moving us on a little bit with the Andy and Eli relationship. I mean, is there anything, do we need to say more than that? I mean, that's all that really happened. No, all, all, all I'll say is I appreciated the little flirting nudges that we got. Um, yeah. It, it kind of made me like Eli a little bit more. Good. Because uh, he's he's trying really hard and he's being very sweet about it. Uh, so it it gave me temp, 10 points for Eli. Oh, good. All right. Here we go. A little, little yeah. bit for my fellow yep. countrymen. All right. Yes. The girls love a cheeky limerick, what can I say? (laughs) So then uh, we have the incident this week, which is a fire at Tomas's barbershop. So initially, when the call comes in and Vic realises that it is Thomas's shop, she's sort of worried about Theo and and offers to switch with him. He's really dismissive of her. Yes, he is. And uh, as the trucks pull out, she's sort of left standing in the barn with her hands on her head. Um, looking quite distressed about the whole situation and in the truck on the way there Beckett's hand is visibly shaking um, and the team think Mm -hmm. he's drunk uh, which is then compounded by Maya confessing that she bought him a bottle of booze yes then Theo sort of stirs the pot a bit and plants a seed and says you know if we follow him into a fire today the joke's on us so he sort of incites a little bit of a mutiny and Andy then yeah, he plants fear in everybody yeah exactly and then Andy comes up with a plan so when they arrive on the scene everyone starts reporting to Andy then Beckett pulls up immediately drops the iPad which makes us think perhaps mm-hmm. this isn't such a terrible move by them um he's clearly yeah. not in any fit state and Ben's really the only dissenting voice um and sort of says you know do we know what we're doing here we could all lose our jobs and it's actually Sullivan who's arguably the most senior and experienced person on the team having been the battalion chief who says to ben we all need to be in this together and making ben fall in line yeah once beckett realizes what's going on he appeals to warren and sullivan as the adults here right patriarchy at work um but uh and they're, <laughs> they're like no guy this is what's happening andy's in charge so yeah Tomas manages to get most of his patrons out. He tells Theo this has got nothing to do with the extension cables. He did exactly as Vic and Theo advised him to do. So yep. that kind of plants the little seed for us that perhaps it is Tomas's theory that they're being smoked out by people that want to buy up the properties. Turns out that Mr. Ortega, now I think I'm right in saying, was Mr. Ortega Theo's fourth grade teacher or something like that? Yes, fourth grade teacher, yeah. So Mr. Ortega's still inside. Mrs. Ortega turns up, starts panicking. The scene gets quite fraught. And Beckett uses this sort of disturbance to kind of insert himself. And he literally leaps into the fire to try and save Mr. Ortega after Andy specifically said it's not safe for anyone to be in there because the team are trying to get in through the back door. He goes straight in, busts his knee on the way in, 
and then actually says to himself, you didn't really think that through, did you? Um, yeah, that was funny. Yeah. So anyway, he does manage to find Mr. Ortega. He actually very gently puts his mask on Mr. Ortega's face. He does. And then yeah. uh, if you notice, he, he goes to use his radio and then changes yeah. his mind. Yep. And then just goes and takes his jacket off, lays it over Mr. Ortega and, and lays down uh, next to him. So, um, I mean, we can we can get into the whys and wherefores and what you think that means and what I think that means but it was quite a poignant um scene um and we see the fire from his perspective several times and he does seem altered the way it's shot he does seem a bit altered um the team get in via the back door the rest of the team they rescue both Beckett and Mr Ortega um but Beckett's quite reluctant to leave he still seems quite disoriented and and Sullivan has to really yell at him to to get him out Mm -hmm. yeah and then there was a little bit that I liked Ben kind of convinces Beckett that he needs to go to the hospital and dumps him in the back of an aid car. And as he's sitting in the aid mm. car, he and Theo exchange a little look. And yep. it was it was very subtle and it wasn't entirely clear, I didn't think, mm. what was being exchanged. But it perhaps looked like the closest thing to gratitude and respect that Beckett's going to get from Theo, I think, for saving Mr. Ortega. Yes, yes I agree. Yeah. Then um, on the way back, Theo's trying to justify what they did saying that they did what they had to do to stay alive and it's it's actually Sullivan that backs up Beckett a little bit because Andy tries to frame what Beckett did as an attempt at redemption Mm -hmm. and Sullivan says no I recognize that thousand yard stare in his eye from in Iraq and that's a man that's kind of given up and he tells a story about when a fellow soldier walked into enemy fire deliberately walked into enemy fire so then when they get back Vic wants to tell them about her day, which we'll which we'll get to because Vic's had a hell of a day. Um, and again, Theo's super dismissive of Vic, super dismissive. Didn't appreciate that boy's attitude this episode. No, not at all. And then it's the chief's turn to come and have a pop at everybody. Tells them that the Beckett thing was being handled and says that their hubris is astounding and it may have uh, cost them their jobs Andy stands by the decision says they bet their careers on Beckett being drunk and if they hadn't done what they did they'd be arranging a funeral but uh, the chief isn't buying it and um, even Sullivan tries to catch her and and use his I don't know personal sway or something I guess to kind of say look we did what we had to do and uh, he is cut off in quite some style Um, she calls him lieutenant Mm. and tells him he's already been dismissed yep before softening, calling him Sully and asking if she'll see him later. But he says uh, yeah. that she won't because he needs to go to a meeting. Yeah. And that kind of yeah. ends that block. So I guess the most important question is, did Andy and co do the right thing? You know, when I watched it, I thought they did. Um, because they they authentically and truly worried about their lives. Yeah. Um, I think it should have been something discussed before they left the barn with Beckett. Um, almost like, okay, this next call, we're, we got it. Like, that's it. Um, they blindsided him. Yeah. Um, which I know Beckett has, is not a fan favorite, but for the first time I felt sorry for him. Um, and I felt bad for him. Yeah. Um, I do think him running in was like a last hurrah ditch effort, right? Uh, yeah kind of like it reminded me of um, it reminded me of when Captain Herrera went up and went the roof at the yeah. storage facility yeah like he was like you know this is how I'm gonna go out and um, I don't know if Beckett went in there thinking I'm gonna go in there to die but I do think he went in there thinking I'm gonna do this for maybe the last time yeah um, and then once he got in like you said his vision was distorted um and he did. He just kind of laid down peacefully, like this is it. You know, he didn't. He didn't like alternate the the mask like we've seen them do sometimes, yes, where you yeah. know the firefighter takes the breath. He did, we didn't see that. Um, and so he just was kind of checked out. He was done. And so, do I agree with the team? Yes, but I think it could have been handled differently or gracefully. Yeah. Um, I I think Chief Ross. You know, I love Ron English. Um, she killed that scene very. Kind of extreme. I think she should have understood the team a little bit more um, as a firefighter. Um, 
I know she had to present that because of her position, but I, I feel like in an ongoing investigation, Beckett should have not been allowed to work until the invest, especially for drinking on the job. I feel like he should have stepped down. There should have been an intermittent captain, probably Andy, um, until the investigation was over. I think that was really poor call. Um, and so it's kind of like, what did she expect? You know what I mean? They didn't feel safe. So yeah, yeah that's, that's my take on, on all of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I was actually interested to see that everyone was happy just to accept Andy as captain, even some of him. That was really interesting that, that he, he immediately backed her up and he was like, yeah, no, Andy's running this. Yeah. And, and she did. Let's just be honest. She killed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's, I, I feel like she's really earned it. She's worked very hard. Um, and it'll be interesting to see who the next captain is. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that Beckett was drunk? Do you think the team were right? No. Me neither. I think he was having symptoms of either withdrawal or he has something else going on medically. Yeah. Same. Yeah, for sure. Do you think they're going to search his office, ransack it, and find the alcohol? I don't know because I don't know what his rights are in that situation. I don't know if they've got the right to go through his things. I'm not sure if that's... But I mean, it's is the captain's office considered his personal space because he shares it with other captains on the ship? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, ooh, I'm not... Like, it's not his house. It's his place of employment, right? Yeah. So I'm just trying to think about um, my place of work. So I work in a law office. So... So I have my desk and it has my drawers and they're my personal drawers. And then I have my filing cabinets mm-hmm. where I keep my files for my cases. Mm-hmm. So my cases technically aren't my cases. They're my firm's cases. So my firm mm-hmm. would be well within their rights to go into my filing cabinet, which is share, you know, a shared thing. But they wouldn't be okay to go through my drawers. So I think it, okay. you know, unless they, it was, they thought I'd been stealing from the company or something. And then they would have, yeah. you know, the, the, but they would still have to kind of do it in a very specific way. They could, you know, my boss just couldn't walk in and like yank my drawer open and ferret through all my stuff. Okay. So just literally from a, like a very practical stance of, I don't know what the legal practices are yeah, um, yeah but then it's station 19 so i don't know if they, if they know what the legal practices are and if they care right right if they care yeah right. so i mean it might be that you know that the team just kind of take it upon themselves as we know they have astounding hubris so i wouldn't be surprised if you know theo went storming in there and kind of went look here's a th-, you know rifling through things that wouldn't surprise me yeah but I'm with you. Um, I think that what he was experiencing was um, delirium tremens, which is something that people who suffer from alcoholism get. You can actually get it after binge drinking. So it could have been that he'd had a half a bottle of bourbon, whole bottle of bourbon, I don't know, the night before and mm. and was really, really feeling it. Or I think what is more likely is that with the investigation really hotting up, I think that he's going cold turkey. And so when he was kind of holding his hand to his chest, it was because he realized that he was trembling. Um, he may be suffering from insomnia. That's a symptom of, of that. Um, sometimes they get hallucinations, people that are suffering from this. Mm-hmm. Certainly there's a lot of confusion involved that don't necessarily think straight. And, you know, if you haven't slept well, then you, you don't think straight either, right? So if he, you know, suffering any or all of those symptoms... And obviously the tremors is another it's another symptom. Uh, then I would say it's almost as um, dangerous as if he were drunk, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, for sure. Either way, he was not mentally healthy or physically healthy. He wasn't. He yeah. was not in any fit state. But I think that perhaps um, the team have enough um, sway with the chief and have enough of her respect that if on the way to the call even you know when Theo said if we follow him the joke is on us instead of hatching a plan just a call to the chief saying we've got some issues I think she'd have been there like a shot yeah I do too so I I don't think it needed to be the way it was and I do think that she's got a point that perhaps 
they can be a little bit gung-ho and dare we say a little bit too big for their boots sometimes sometimes yeah (laughs) and her reaction I agree with you was quite extreme considering that their lives were at risk but I also think that you know she would kind of look at it that she's a soldier and a soldier follows orders and they are in a very hierarchical job where it's very clear that there is a rank and you follow Mm -hmm. that rank and Mm -hmm. they're not a bunch of kids she's not dealing with a load of kids you know and Sullivan's been a battalion chief Theo's been a captain Andy's been a captain Maya's been a captain they should Mm -hmm. all know better than a lot of leadership yeah they should all know better so I understand where she's coming from so yeah it was all a big giant mess she said to Sullivan at the end do you think that you get some sort of special privileges because of our relationship do you think that he thinks that do you think he's sort of taking advantage of that or do you think he would have done it anyway no I think he has shown on multiple occasions the 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 professional respect um so I don't see him thinking he'd get special treatment fair enough or would expect it I don't do you no no I thought that that was a, um, a bit of a sort of a low blow from her really yeah it was yeah, that was a that was a, a little bit of a rough scene for me. Yes. Um, yeah, but I can see yeah. where it came from, and that perfectly demonstrates why they say you know that you shouldn't date within the, within the same station within the same sort of um, area because there's a massive right. you know conflict of interest, and it's the same way that Karina said to Maya when she was in the hospital, "Teddy's your doctor, not me," because you can't be. Right there's a massive conflict of interest. There's a reason that we, that we have to keep those things separate. And I think that that perfectly right. demonstrated it. The only other thing that I noticed when Beckett took his jacket off and he, and he put it over Mr. Ortega, it really reminded me of when Maya, that whole situation, actually, when he threw himself into the fire, then realized he'd bitten off more he could yeah. chew, tried to do what he could with a fire extinguisher, realized that he was on hiding right. to nothing and then just took off his jacket put it over Mr. Ortega and just hoped for the best mm-hmm. was exactly what Maya yeah. did uh, when she went into the maze on Halloween. Yeah, that's true. Same, same mentality, right? Exactly that. Defied a direct order, threw herself into the fire, only had an extinguisher to hand, didn't work and just thought, huh, might have screwed this one and put her jacket yeah. over the father and son and, and just tr- try to stamp out the little fires and, and hope the help came. So it was the exact same kind of attitude from two people suffering a, a mental health crisis. Yep. Not thinking clearly, no respect for their own lives, you know, no respect for authority, just not thinking things through. It was an identical situation. Yeah, no, that's, a, that's a good um, analogy. Um, I didn't think about that one, but I can totally see that now. Yeah, yeah. It just it, it hit me yeah. sort of later on, I thought about it. But the whole thing's... Um, put everyone in a bit of a sticky position and uh, Theo's attitudes towards Vic this episode I did not appreciate at all yeah he was really rough with her and for not really any valid reasons in my opinion no um he he tends to be in that relationship he tends to be rough with her quite a bit um and she kind of just takes it which is weird because Vic is usually very outspoken yeah um, and so that's been kind of a different side of her, which I don't know if she's scared of losing him, um, but very different for, for me, at least, to see her that way. Yeah, and they they seem to be sort of communicating quite well. They had like a little argument-ish, didn't they, in the locker room after the first visit to Theo's neighborhood. But it all it was all quite civil, and they seemed to sort of talk it out. But his attitude seems to have changed and he seems very self-absorbed and, and she's she's only trying to help and everything's sort of out of concern for him. But he seems to be sort of really pushing her away and, and blocking her out. I feel a bit bad for Vic at this point. Yeah, I do too. I, I recognize that something is wrong. I don't think she can quite put her finger on it, but she definitely sees it. And it has to be hard to be in her shoes. I think she's doing a really good job handling it. But yeah. she deserves better right now. Yeah, she does. Yeah. yeah, she's not being she's not being treated well. And I love Vic. She's so funny and yeah, she's brilliant. She is. So Cooper's death at the training exercise is being investigated. So the the chief kind of pulls everyone in for an informal powwow 
and sort of very pointedly says to them that they need to be completely honest and fully transparent. And then she says, are we clear? Now, I took that Mm. to mean if you think that he did something wrong, if you think that he's been drinking, if you suspect that this was down to his sort of malfeasance, speak up. Is that how you took it? Yes. I think she wanted like complete transparency. Basically, I took it like everything you guys have told me, you need to tell them because they've been very transparent when she brought. So that's how I took it. Yes. Yeah, exactly that. So like I sort of saw it as her saying, I'm in the driver's seat now before things might have been glossed over. They might have taken a ask me no questions. I'll tell you no lies approach. That's not me. That's how I took that to mean as well. And then I thought Sullivan's expression was brilliant after she said that. He sort of looked at her in a way that kind of said, do you actually know what you're asking us to do? Like, are you sure? Yeah. yeah. Sort of, you, you are opening sure. a massive can of worms here, is, is how I took that. Yeah. I, I don't know if that was your read. You got to get ready. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, and they do a really good job with Sullivan's facial expressions with her yeah. um, quite a bit in the scene. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of sort of unspoken, like literally unspoken stuff between them. And I think it's it's done really well. But the rest of the A-team are like in the barn and they're convinced that Beckett's going down. Well, most of them, they're sort of plotting his demise um, until there's raucous laughter and a bit of glad handing coming from the investigation room. Um, and it, it, it seems that Beckett's place in the boys club is secure. And Ben had called in. He was like, nah, he's just going to get a slap on the wrist. And then we hear this sort of, you yep. know, very pointed laughter from him. Um, and he's sort of shaking the guy's hand. And then he hangs over the railings and says, time to lean, time to clean, 19. And uh, I just don't think that that's quite as good as Eli's limerick. <laughs> that's funny. Um, no, it was not. No, it was not. And... I know it's rude to roll your eyes, but I I rolled my eyes when they laughed and shook hands um, because I thought, yeah, he just is, I mean, they're buddies. And even later on, he he told Chief Ross, you know, I can make it look this way if we need to. Exactly and, that. And um, yeah. I was happy that she called in somebody else that was smart of her to, yeah. to catch that and to do that. Yeah. Um, so good move yeah what I did think though was that he looked although he was like very smug with his time to lean time to clean 19 uh when he turned Mm -hmm. around he looked decidedly less smug he did so there was definitely some some concern there he was like putting on a good show but there's definitely a little bit of concern and then we move on to what you just referenced where the chief goes into the training investigator's office and I mean, just what a masterful scene. Yeah. Just masterful. Wow. I think it was brilliantly written. And Merle Dandridge, like, I genuinely want to go away and write a 2,500 word essay, like a close analysis <laughs> on, <laughs> on yeah. this scene. Like, because it was just brilliant. So she goes in. He's like an older guy, a bit out of shape. It's clear that he's one of the good old boys, you know, isn't it? Like immediately. But she just picks up on all of the cues straight away. He's a military guy. And she, you know, she hits him straight away with respect gets respect. You know, he says that he's old school. And she, she just plays him like a cheap fiddle and says, oh, yeah, me too. I was in the military. I understand the meaning of respect. And I'm old school too. And then oh, when she says she's old school and he scoffs and he's like, but you're, you're, uh, and Julia was just, Julia's normally like quite a quiet watcher of TV. And she did the most girly giggle in the world. And yeah. I was just yelling at the TV going, a day to finish the sentence, finish it. I dare you to finish it. I dare you to finish it. <laughs> because I mean, Talk about saying the quiet part out loud. Yes. Yep. That, I agree with you. That scene was written very well. Um, Chief Ross killed it like she always does, Merle Dandridge. Um, And she has a way of, like, saying things that are truthful, but she puts them in a way that the other person 
perceives them the way they want to perceive them. Yeah. And that's, to me, that's what happened there. Yes. And even her response to him saying, oh, old school, but you're, uh, the way she just says, yeah, I have to play to a lot of crowds. To, yes. to him, she's saying, I know I have to act progressive because I'm a woman. I'm a woman of color. I'm, you know, so yeah, you know, I have to like play to the progressives, play to this. So it's, to him, that's what he's reading. But she's actually saying to us, yeah. I'm playing him. I'm playing him right yeah. now. It's Shakespearean yep. in its quality, genuinely. <laughs> I was, <laughs> yeah. I, I was an English nerd in school and this feels Hamlet-esque where really they're delivering a soliloquy to us, but disguising it as a conversation to somebody else, you know. It was just so well written. And the way that she did it, the way Merle Dandridge delivered everything was just perfection. And the way she like uses language, like uses words to mean one thing to us and one thing to him. Yes. So she says, or oh, some of our newer members yes. aren't so professional. And by professional, mm -hmm. what she means is they're not part of the men's club. They're progressive. Right. Because professional to him is conforming to the way things have been done, which is yeah. cover your own ass all the time. Make sure that we keep the status quo. Make sure that the people that are in power and the people that are running things continue to run things the way things have been run. That to him is being professional. Mm -hmm. It's just brilliantly written and Merle Dandridge is just I, she can have all of my money to like go and watch her do like a one-woman show all of it she is just you know there's a there's actually a play a theater play um that she is in oh it, about an hour from my house for a week in a, uh, the end of April and I'm thinking of going oh you should go I'm thinking about buying some tickets to go. Oh, you should go. This year before yeah, I think that that would just be like a massive opportunity missed if you didn't go, if it's like an, only an hour's drive. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, you yeah. should definitely go because she's just so good. But she she oh. butters this Josh guy up and um, yeah. says that she's glad that he's on it because it's such a tough assignment. And he's so professional, which he takes as a compliment and we know is like the biggest slight of them all, you know? <laughs> And then, as you say, he says, oh, Sean can always be counted on. You know, everyone's been really forthcoming and cooperative, especially Sean. He can always be counted on. He's old school like us. And then again, the line. And she's like, yeah, I've heard as much. Right. Again, I could have watched an hour of her just quietly dismantling this guy. It's brilliant. And so, yeah, he basically says, oh, there's there's nothing that could be pinned directly on him if we have to present it that way. You know, it's looking like a no fault win for And he actually says it's a win for us. Not to worry that this guy's yeah. probably drinking on the job. Someone's died. But as long as we can kind of gloss over everything, paint over the cracks and make it look like an accident, yeah. then the jobs are good. In. And she immediately leaves the room, gets on the phone. And as we know, she's bringing someone else in a woman to to join in yeah which i think was a very wise decision on her part yes absolutely absolutely mm. and uh then when he finds out and gives gives her a call back <laughs> yeah yeah and uh yep which i thought was i thought was out of line honestly yeah um i remember i remember thinking that's out of line yes but yeah it was but he's obviously yeah, like worried like do. you only do that out of Oh yes, yeah. Fear, right? So, um, and mm -hmm. uh, I loved um, her very pointedly saying to him that with both of their perspectives, the department will get a much clearer picture. Yep. For me, again, this is her saying, actually, with her perspective, and then with your perspective side by side, we're not just going right. to see, you know, get a clearer perspective of what happened on that day, but we're actually going to get. A, a clear perspective of like how the department functions systemically mm -hmm. like and the mm -hmm. you know the, the the patriarchy that's that you know the sort of misogyny you know and all the stuff that kind of goes on yeah I don't know if, if I'm reading too much or if you no I agree 100 percent. yeah yeah there was a lot said in those scenes even without it being said. Yes. And I can tell how much that scene did did for you. Oh, in the It was so good. In the office. Yeah. I just thought it was 
just masterful writing, masterful direction, and masterful acting. I just thought it was like uh-huh. all three things like coming together, and it was just like sheer perfection. Yeah. Um, and then that that block kind of rounds out um, with the chief bumping into Beckett um, at nineteen. She's planning on going to see him in the hospital. Yep. Yep. But she bumps into him at nineteen, and but he checked himself out. Yeah, he said, "I've checked myself out to check myself in." Mm-hmm. Um, so he's going to rehab, but he says that he says, "I need help." So I've spoken to my rep and my union rep, yep. and so I'm taking a leave of absence. So for me, again, this is him um, kind of not saying that he needs help for his alcoholism, but that he needs help to get himself out of this situation he's got himself into at work and that he's going to rehab to try and get himself in a better position in terms of the investigation and and any punishments that might be handed down etc etc that's how I saw it I don't think he's getting so you don't think he's 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 fault fault in himself to get treatment yet you think it's other reasons behind it yeah yeah I don't think that it's an acceptance of of needing help I think it's I don't think he thinks he's got a problem with alcohol. I think he thinks he's got a work issue. Okay, okay fair enough. Yeah, is my reading of that. What do you think? Do you think he's kind of woken up to his health issues? I think a little bit. Um, I think they kind of built into that subliminally with a lot of the things that we've seen, even if they've been small scenes so far. Yeah. Um, I would hope I would hope he, he finally has. I mean, that his team had enough disrespect and concern for him to do that I would hope that would have been like the final straw but you make a good point too it could be more of a career saver I mean I hope that you're right you know I hope that he does have some sort of self-awareness at this point because he could have died and and I I think that actually at that point he was just laying down to rest I think that he was just thinking you know what and I think that's why I didn't call on the radio and as you say, he didn't, you know, share the oxygen with Mr. Ortega. He just um, just laid himself down. And I thought, no, what, was his radio there? I thought he forgot it. I thought he he like made a comment that, that. Do you know what? Didn't he? Didn't he take it off? Now that you say that, he was when they were saying uh, amassed crowds were saying, "Why is that guy just standing there doing nothing?" You're actually right. I think he, I think he was taking equipment off and dropping things yeah. and pu- putting things down. So I think that actually, yeah, it's the it's the case that he yeah. he screwed the pooch and he hasn't actually gone in with his radio. He can't radio for help. Yeah, so I think he went like this, and he was like, "Crap!" I, you know, he said something. I don't remember exactly what that indicated. He forgot it. I thought. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So it's not a case if he didn't bother. He just couldn't. Yeah. He could. Yeah. It wasn't there. But but I do think that he kind of maybe saw it as a, as a relief that he was kind of in that fire and that he probably wasn't going to survive it. I think he just yeah. thought, well, you know, I won't have to deal with this pain anymore, whether it's the pain of the alcoholism or if it's the pain of something that's made him turn to the bottle. And I hope we get some resolution to that, actually. I hope we find out what's behind it all. Like we have with Maya, we found out. I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that there will be, when this investigation kicks in proper, do you think that there will be wider implications for SFD? Like, do you think that it will be shown that there are systemic problems? You mean like um, the firefighters drinking? No, like I think um, with the sort of cover-ups and the way that things... Do you remember um, at the end of season five... Maya is talking about to Officer Dang at, at um, Karina's green card uh, mm, yeah, yeah. interview. Um, she's trying to explain to Officer Dang about her demotion, and she, she says, "Oh well, you know the reason they said that they give is insubordination, but actually it's sexism and probably homophobia." Yeah, and you know when you think of all the things that other folks have got away with things that Sullivan did that sort of got kicked under the fridge, you know, and, and, and hidden away. And the Pruitt was a, a bit of a cowboy and everyone sort of just patted them on the back and, and they're sort of treated as heroes, you know, for going against the grain and, and coloring outside of the lines. And then Beckett has literally <laughs> killed somebody right? or, you know, has got somebody killed with his actions and they're trying to make it go away. Maya bent the rules to save a life they demoted her immediately 
and then just lost basically her appeal right. for a year and a half. So there does seem to be something going on. You know, and we used to hear Dean talk about the problems that he faced being a black firefighter. Um, we know that Pruitt struggled with racism when he was coming up. So I wonder if, if they're sort of going there. Now that you say that, they could. But if they do that, that's going to be a huge can of worms to open. Like, huge. That would create a huge storyline. Um, but you're right. There has been so much, even within Station 19 alone, um, that it she Frost could go there. For sure. You know, and they, they're they not afraid of kind of going down the political route right. of the writers and right. producers because they, as far back as season three, or no, it was season four, wasn't it? Where Dean had a, well, they all had the, oh, that, that was the Rochelle Zimmerman script where they go in to try and get the two girls that are being held captive in the basement Yep. And they're all held. Yep, at, yep. They're all held at gunpoint, and then they're all taken in and arrested. Yep. And it's the black male firefighters who were yes. basically persecuted. Yep. Then when they arrest the child trafficker, who is a white woman, Jack actually says, right. doesn't he? Oh, it's interesting how they didn't schmoosh her face mm-hmm. into the pavement. Yep, he says that to me. You know, so they're not, and they've sort of opened the can of worms um, with the Jamal incident. So they're not afraid of going there. I just wonder if that's where they're headed. That's a good point. Yeah, and if so, would that give Myra a path back to her captaincy? You want Myra to be captain again, don't you? Not necessarily. <laughs> I don't I don't think Myra is, is in any fit state to be captain. I think she needs to Um It could if if they were going towards the path of uh, justice or, or righteousness, I guess. Um, and they find out the truth and how the decisions were made. Yeah. It might change Steve Frost's mind, for sure. Yeah, just, um, you know. Just, I'll have to see. Just something that I, just a, just a little idea I had. But, uh, a little one. Just a, just a little one. So I don't think there's too much more to say about that. I think we've hit that one pretty hard. Whoever hired Mel Dandridge is like an actual genius. They are. I love her. Did I miss anything? Do you think that... Oh, you explained that very thoroughly. You can tell you love that scene. Love that scene. There was a little, there was also a little bit in there. Danielle Savory was not overly present uh, in this. Uh, there wasn't a, there wasn't a great deal for Maya to do. But when mm-hmm. she was on screen, she made it count. We had a couple of little scenes with her where she's expressing a lot of guilt, a lot of remorse. It's really eating her up that she gave Beckett that bottle. She turns up after everyone else um, for work because she wasn't on the training day. And Mm -hmm. um, Ben's on desk duty and she pointedly says to him, like, was Beckett drunk when he made the mistake that killed the firefighter? Like, literally, when the mistake was made that killed the firefighter. So it's in her head that someone's died right away. and when Spen says that you know we don't know what happened she's like really hopeful then says, so, so he wasn't drunk like super hopeful mm-hmm. yeah um and then ben says you know well, as, as far as i know and unless you know something that i don't kind of thing and she you can yep. see on her face like i do but she kind of glosses over it a little bit um but then she can't hold it in anymore and then when they're on the way to the call she admits to the the people that she's in the truck with obviously it's not the whole team but tells them that she that she bought Beckett a bottle of booze um and she says that she knows it's awful and she's gonna help which I thought was it was a nice touch and then when they get back from the call she's just sitting in the beanery on her own staring at her phone until Ben comes in and engages her in conversation and she says says to Ben that she and Karina aren't at the please stop the landslide in my head because this is all my fault stage in their relationship so and then she says that she can draw a direct line between her cruelty and Cooper's death. Yep. And that the guilt is like battery acid eating at her stomach. Uh, and she calls herself yeah. a monster. Yeah, that was pretty, she's pretty harsh on herself. Very, very hard on herself. And I'm actually really glad that it was Ben that she was having that conversation with. Because I think Ben wears two hats and he wears them very well. Mm-hmm. So he's got his dad mm-hmm. hat 
because he's a man of a certain age that's lived a lot of life and you know has a lot of life experience but he's also a doctor so he can look at mental health whether that's Maya's nervous breakdown as he categorizes it or whether that's Mm -hmm. Beckett's alcoholism and he can look at it dispassionately look at these things as diseases as, as health issues you know and he doesn't look at people's behavior because they're just symptoms of the disease. He looks at the cause, which is the disease. Right. And so so I think Ben right. is like the perfect person to talk to about this. And I think he handles it brilliant because he, he doesn't excuse what she did. You know, she says, I, what I did was awful. And he said, yeah, it was. It was awful. But the guilt lets you know that you're a decent person. You were having a nervous breakdown. You literally weren't in your right mind. Um, you're in a terrible place. You've worked super hard to get out of it. You can apologize when you're ready, but you are not entirely responsible. You've got your part, but he did his bit. You didn't make him drink on the job. Yeah, you bought him a bottle. Right. If you hadn't, he'd have got one from somewhere else. And Beckett's got a disease. Yep, I appreciated that line. You know, so I think that Ben was like mm-hmm. the perfect guy to deal with that situation with Maya. Yeah, his ability to rationalize. Yes, yes, that's um, it, yeah. And he and the certain amount of compassion she needed in that moment, yes. he was able to give. Yeah, 100%. For sure. Yeah, I agree. Right person for that scene. And I loved the text that she sent Karina at the end. Yes. Which was, hope your day was not as awful as mine. I hope for a lot of things. I'm thinking about you. Yeah, it was subtle but sweet. And I have stuff to say about that text as well, <laughs> because again, I okay. think I think that it was, I think that it probably won't get enough like credit. So I feel like I have to big it up because I think that it had a dual meaning. So I don't think that yes, she's thinking about Karina in that moment because she's sending her a text message, but she says, "I hope for a lot of things. I'm thinking about you," and I think that also what she's saying is that when she hopes for a future, her hopes have Karina in mind that she's thinking of, I hope for a lot of things mm-hmm. and I'm thinking of you. Yeah. I think she's hoping right. like her hopes are Karina's hopes at this point. Um, okay. I think that don't think it's just like, Oh, I'm thinking of you in the way that, you know, that you ping someone a text, you know, saw this and thought of you. I don't think it's that. I think it's, you know, I have a lot of hopes and I'm thinking of you. Yeah. My hopes are, for 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 us and for our future and I just love the economy of language in the text as well and it wasn't like overly floral language it wasn't it wasn't like Vic's line with the if I let these feelings you know an inch past the dam I put in my throat it wasn't that it was just literally you know I hope for a lot of things I'm thinking of you so the economy of language was amazing because it was very much in keeping with Maya's communication style, but it just said so much with just like a handful of words. So I just kind of loved it. I just thought it was perfect. Maybe Rochelle Zimmerman literally just thought, you know, oh, well, I'm thinking of you. Maybe I'm giving her too much credit, but I don't think I am. I think that was a bigger text than thinking of you. Yeah, I mean, it was a continuous effort on Maya's part to keep putting Karina before herself finally and, and other things. Um, so I agree there was more behind the words that I hope Karina could read through. Yeah. I was hoping the episode would end with a, a return text. I was hoping we would see that, um, but we didn't. So. No, we can't have it all. I know. <sighs> yes. You know how I feel about that. I know. I'm telling you. You just got to hold out for episode 13. I'm convinced that 13 is going to hold beautiful things for us. Is that, wait, is that this week or next week? That's next week. <sighs> I think we've got, yeah, we've got, we've got Maya down a big hole this week. Okay. But literally, ha, punny. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm hedging all my bets on, on 613. But okay. I would like to see Diane's view on all of this, on Maya's guilt, on the Beckett situation. And I think that what we need is a good old team sesh with Diane. Yeah, like the old days. I've been very hopeful that we would at least see more sessions with her and Maya. Like right now we just hear about the therapy. But I was hoping for more snippets of that, even if it's just, you know, a couple seconds here and there as a filler. 
Um, so I hope they don't yeah. give up on that. Like I hope we see that a little bit. Um, which I know, I know Danielle posted a live when she was eating her abazaba. She said, I just finished my Diane scenes. So I'm hoping that that means there's some more coming. Um, but yeah. Uh, maybe I think that in the context of like a team powwow I think that would work quite well I wonder if we've kind of seen it was so big and so well done and so what we saw initially in their first session I wonder if it might not cheapen that that's not the word that I want but if it might dilute that a little bit if we saw more because that was so powerful yeah but I do think I'd like to see a bit of a follow-up um, because Maya's guilt for giving Beckett this bottle is clearly like yeah. eating away at her. Yeah. And it's obviously having a massive effect on the team, you know, Beckett's behavior because they've just staged a bloody mutiny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So, so I think that they could, they could do with a good old team sesh with Diane. And I think that another session with Maya and Diane in that context would be really good. Okay. I'd enjoy that. And I'd also like to see some sort of scene with Myra and Beckett. Yeah, I think there's going to be a first full circle um, scene eventually with them too, for sure. Because he, I know she wants to apologize to him and she does owe him an apology. Mm-hmm. But he also owes her an apology because it didn't come out of nowhere. He was bullying her for six months straight. Yeah, you know, and that's always been kind of weird to me that that he was so harsh on her for the blackmail because... Does nobody remember that he blackmailed Sullivan? That he would go and report them if he said anything about his drinking? Like, how was that different? Yeah. I know, right? Yeah. It's just a double standard. It's just a complete double standard. Yeah, that you're talking about in the... the, um, Yeah, so... Yeah, it's just complete... You know, Sullivan gets a grumpy look, Maya gets bullied for six months, and then when she snaps... And does something to try and end the cycle. Yep. She's vilified. Yep. And she's vilifying herself. And I don't think that he feels bad. No. I don't think Beckett feels bad at this point. No. At least there's con- some contrition coming from her. So I, I think it's a double standard. And I, and I hope that all of that kind of gets raised and hashed out. But yeah. um, it was all very heavy um, until we got to the Charlie's Angels <laughs> trio of Station 19 that are Karina Vick and Dr. Diane. Yes, let's talk about it. I, oh my God, I loved them. Good trio, just what we needed. Like, Vic and Karina was getting good. Like, their their dynamic was getting really good. And like, we'd had some really great scenes with them. Um, yeah. And um, it just turns out that Tracy Toms is just like yes. golden, like no matter who you stick her with, she's just going to just raise the, the level of things, yes. you know, like she's just so good. But Vic's on desk duty, Karina turns up and literally before she's in the door with her box, she's like scoping out the place like, where's my, where's my, where's my, where's my, where's my, where's my, where's my? loved that scene it was it was small it was short but loved it yeah and then she and then she says that um that she's kind of got a crush on her wife like it feels like the early days when they're both into each other but no one wants to come across too keen and yeah and she has a crush on her own wife and like when she was she's very energized and she's very she's gesticulating big kind of dramatic arm movements and and everything's very high energy and then Vic's like yeah she's on a call and you just literally see all of the energy drain out of her and she's just absolutely gutted yep yep which was sweet too yeah so she goes off to unpack her box in comes Dr. Diane yep and she and Vic are gonna gonna do some crisis one stuff yep um and Diane and Vic have like what a great energy between those two. Yeah, good chemistry there. Wasn't it brilliant? Yeah, it was. They talked about absolutely nothing. They were just chatting about, like, a handsome professor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was just brilliant. That was funny. But it was just riveting. It was. Yeah. They just had, like, this really easy chemistry, as you said. It was just it was just a really great dynamic. I really, um, really enjoyed it. Well, that was written very well and executed by uh, Vic and Diane and then uh, they're all in the beanery. Karina's still unpacking her boxes. And then she can resist the temptation no more. 
bobs her little head around the corner and it's like you're diane right the diane like my therapist diane <laughs> and, and diane's kind of like Arr. and chris like yeah thought so yeah goes right back around the yeah, corner. Yeah. that was cute yeah and then uh and then vic discloses what we were saying which is that there's definitely she kind of kind of drops a little hint that like there's something going on between her and Theo because she yeah. says, Oh, well, you know, if I knew someone could mine the crevices of yeah. my boyfriend's mind. But then when Diane kind of pushes, Vic's like, no, 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 it's nothing. It's just working through some stuff. So she kind of doesn't want to acknowledge it. Yeah. Like, I think. She downplays it for sure. Yeah. 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 Um, Karina does not downplay anything. That is no. not Karina's way. No, no. So she's very pleased with herself because she's found a workaround for HIPAA. So she thinks. She has. It's got three questions like a genie. <laughs> if she asks Diane how Diane feels about Maya's uh, progress, that's not about Maya. That's about Diane. Yep. So uh, Diane is hilarious and says, yep, three questions. Karina excitedly goes, really? And Diane's like, that's one down. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. It was so good. It was just... Um, we we needed it we needed this kind of like light relief yeah and this you know yeah, for sure. and uh the three of them just were just superb um but karina's very excited um that she's that she's found this little workaround and her first question is if myra is clinically doing better which obviously diane can't answer right because that would be a breach of hipper you're the hipper expert yeah. No, um, I mean, I don't feel like it's quite HIPAA, but it is. I mean, there are worse things she could say. So just saying, you know, is she better? Yes. I mean, she's not really delving, you know, giving her detailed any... information. Yes, I think she could have said yes without actually breaking it. But I quite liked the way that she kind of rephrased the question and said, well, what would my answering yes mean for you? Because she did a Diane, she did a number on Karina. She did a Diane on Karina. She did. Um, did. You know, because she made Karina kind of think about Mm -hmm. what she's actually asking her. Like, why are you asking me that? I loved that. Yeah, is is that actually the answer that you want? Or is there really a different question in mind? Like, are you asking me the right question? Right. Basically, Diane says that she thinks that my and Karina are getting somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then Karina's next question is, uh, if she and Myra are going to make it, Diane rightfully says that she doesn't know. And then I think Karina speaks for all of us when she says, yes, you do know, because you're Diane. <laughs> yeah. We tr- Diane wanted to say, and Diane, we trust, right? Exactly. Diane knows everything. Diane is like... Like Yoda. Diane is everything. She is like Yoda. She is exactly like Yoda. Um, I mean, she's taller, and uh, she she looks she looks pretty, you know, good in that uniform, better than Yoda. Uh, So, but other than that, (laughs) she is she is Yoda, Jedi mind master. Exactly. Again, she like does a number on Karina because she says that Karina has to think about what she wants and then figure out a way to make it work and ask for what she wants and she hurts Karina's delicate 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 little head um yes she does so my brain hurts or something like that yeah my head hurts and Vic's like yeah that's what happens welcome to the club yeah welcome to Diane you've just been Diane but then uh, their day takes an unexpected turn because Vic and Diane are doing some admin when a, a smashed up car rolls into the barn horn blaring uh, with a whole deer, inclusive of antler, like riding the front of this car. Yes. Diane is extremely excited to be able to go into firefighter mode, but still doesn't leave the Diane, you know, Dr. Diane behind. She get, immediately gives the driver of a car the, the, a pep talk and tells her that she's done very well under the circumstances to find her way to a fire station. Yeah. Um, Karina tells this poor woman that she doesn't know her luck. because Right. Because, you know, she's rolled in with uh, her, Vic and Diane, who are, I reiterate, the Charlie's Angels of Station 19. Yes. And this woman's like, luck, there are antlers literally inside my body. Yeah. And everything that, like, all of the dialogue was just gold. And, like, I loved how they wrote, Monica, her name was, wasn't it, the the victim? Mm -hmm. 
she basically out Vic. Yeah. Yeah, that was cute how they went back, how her and Vic went back and forth, for sure. Yeah. And um, we sort of get the the sort of the backstory as to how she ended up impaled, which is that she was a New York City resident, like born and raised New Yorker, um, married a husband who was a city guy. Uh, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he said, no, let's sell the startup and move back to Seattle. And she mm-hmm. followed him because she loved him. Um, but now she kind of hates her life and she feels tricked by her husband because she thought that she'd married this city slicker guy and he turned out to not be that at all and he tricked her because she was already in love with him when it was revealed that he was not what she thought and their future was not what she thought it was going to be and uh we see the cogs turning for karina uh who's um who's kind of thinking hmm this is sounding mighty familiar yeah and you can see that on her face immediately yeah but there's the the superb comedic moment where um, they're cutting the deer's antlers away oh, yeah. from the deer, and then yeah. it spasms, and they all just yeah. scream. That was cute. Um, yeah, and Karina's like, "No, it's dead. It's fully dead." Well, I think I checked its pulse, and this woman's yeah. like, "I thought you were a doctor." Yeah, yeah but not of deer. Yeah. And it was just like all these like little light moments, just kind of. Um, kind of really made the scene um what it was i think and once they've kind of extricated this woman from the car they've kind of cut the antlers off they've got her out of the car they're loading her into the ambulance and she just kind of has like a mental breakthrough moment and she says that although she and her husband really love each other um she loves who she was before she met him more than them yeah. and him yeah. and that she should have listened to her gut and instead she now has an antler in it and she needs to do something with her life so that it feels like hers again and again we've got Karina clearly like drawing parallels because when the ambulance looks away she looks absolutely crestfallen um Diane on the other hand can't wait for the ambulance to leave so that she can like have a 30 second dance party yeah super (laughs) pumped She's very pleased with herself doesn't even realize that Karina at this point is like crouched down by the smashed up car no. in yeah. floods of tears um and uh bless her Karina like tries to make the effort she tries to smile and give like a little high five but she's she's in bits and then she's trying to analyze if she's the car if she's Monica if she's the antler if she's an antler in Maya's gut we get the cute little foot stamp again yeah yeah, love that signature. I might have to start a Twitter account of Karina's left foot. Yeah, um, signature signature step by move. Yeah, and then Diane kind of goes back into doctor mode and says, you know, breathe, it's okay. And but Karina's just not sure where she stands and wants to know if she's signing up for more pain. And yeah. it's Vic who steps into the breach and does what she's done a couple of times now for Karina, which is to be the voice of reason. And to to be a really good friend to her. And and she says, look, I'm going to answer the question that Diane wouldn't answer upstairs, which is, are you and I going to make it through the other side better and stronger than ever? And you absolutely are. And then Diane does what you were. Do you remember when we were talking about the the session between Myra and Diane and you were like, I wish that Diane could just be on FaceTime. And and then you said that you wish that Maya had said to Karina, no, I'm going to therapy for you. I'm not doing this for my job. Yeah. I'm doing it for you. And so you get a little bit of payoff, right? Because Diane yeah. actually confirms yeah. for Karina. No, the first session was mandatory. Yeah. The rest has been for you and your marriage. Yeah, so. I, I cheered for that. That was exactly what I've been wanting. So that was. I perfect. thought of you as soon as as soon as yeah. as soon as Diane said that. I was like, ah, Tiffany's going to be happy. There we go. Yeah. There it is. Yes, I was. Um, oh. And then yeah. Karina goes off to deliver a baby. Vic, Vic, Vic with her, could an antler do that? Yeah. Yeah, always count on Vic for a one-liner. Um, but uh, then uh, Vic and Diane have a little celebration. They're going to have venison for dinner. And that... Yeah, that was funny. En- that endeth the scene. Um, so for me bit of lightness um 
despite the seriousness of the situation, like great writing, superb acting. We had outright deliberate comedy, kind of slapstick stuff with all the big screams and all the stuff down to like the very like delicate little touches, like where Monica says, you know, I was scared of this sort of thing happening when I learned to drive and Karina's face because she could have played it big, right? She could have like yeah. done the. She could have gone. You were you were worried about this sort of thing happening, but it was like the little yeah. tiny expression on her face and the little mouth movements when she was trying to compute. You were you were worried about this sort of thing happening. Yeah, I just thought it was great from beginning to end. What about you? Yes, I did. I thought it was a perfect way to end this. Hi guys, Melissa here. Unfortunately, recording that episode ended quite abruptly when life got in the way. However, we reconvened, so join us for part two when we finish capping off that episode and preview 12. See you soon.